Many banks run ad campaigns highlighting how they serve customers in the military community, but we hear less about how financial services organizations are hiring from the military community. For Veterans Day, our podcast guest is Barclay Keith, who served in the Army in Afghanistan prior to co-founding the fintech firm Artist Technologies. He joins us to share insights on what veterans have to offer the financial services industry. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Veterans Day is this week, so it's a good time to talk about service members and the opportunities out there for them in financial services and in fintech. Our guest today has a firsthand perspective on that. Barclay Keith is co-founder and CEO at Artist Technologies. But before that, and while still in his teens, he enlisted in the Army and ended up serving six years, part of that time deployed to Afghanistan. So Barclay, thanks a lot for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you for having me today, Terry. So let's start with a little background on what Artist does, along with a little on your military background and maybe your company's philosophy and its approach to hiring veterans. Certainly. Happy to kind of jump into Artist first. Uh, we created Artist really to enable banks uh, and networks to deploy real-time point-of-need lending natively within their existing infrastructure. What we saw with a lot of kind of FinTech 1.0 and 2.0 companies was they were injecting themselves into that consumer process. And so we really enable these banks with this technology to quickly deploy these consumer loan portfolios very deeply um, and in a real-time manner. So it's very quick and automated as well. You know, how this all came about, I would say, is, you know, joined the military at 17, was in the Army from 2000, 2006, you know, had the opportunity to really experience some wonderful things there. And obviously, it guided the leadership skills that I have today and kind of was the basis that I built off of going forward. When I think about, you know, my take on veterans and other veterans and how we hire in our culture, ultimately, kind of take care of your people and make sure that it's mission first and everyone has a very clear view of what our mission is. And I think that resonates with veterans. And I know as a veteran, that's a big need for me is making sure I've got a clear view on that mission. So when I think about our culture around hiring veterans, you know, I look for good cultural fits who know how to both lead and follow and also have those core values, have good ethics in place and still still kind of live that mission focused life. How artists thinks about veterans and veteran hiring probably can be traced back, at least in part, to your personal experience. How has your prior military service worked for you and or worked against you in your financial services career? Yeah, certainly. I think it's worked for me in that, you know, in the military, you're part of a team. No matter what, you're always part of a team. And generally, that mission success relies on that team working together. And I think that's translated really, really well as I've moved into the business world, where I've always been able to both be that follower on the team, that good follower, as well as that leader. You know, it's important to be able to understand when to take on both of those roles and where where you kind of fit into the equation and ensure that you are operating, you know, most effectively. So I think that certainly fits here with our company culture at Artists is we work as a team. We wouldn't be where we are at today without our team. And, you know, we are only successful because of our team. You know, when I think about the downsides of the transition, especially just being in a different operating environment, many of the times in the military, you have a little more kind of intensity and aggression that I think is generally seen from a leadership standpoint in the, in the civilian world. So I think learning that tone, that cadence, and how to kind of tone that aggression down a little bit was really important as I transitioned as well. And that was something that was challenging for me. 
So veterans are considered a historically disadvantaged group in the U.S., and for that reason, they are listed among those who diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts are intended to benefit when it comes to hiring and advancement. Why do you think vets fall under that DEI heading, and does that make sense to you? I have mixed feelings on that one. I think everyone obviously kind of has their own challenges to face. I think veterans, um, you know, as a group, obviously we fall throughout the spectrum, uh, you know, skill-wise, natural ability-wise, everything else. I think the designation is there because of kind of the historic situation you've seen potentially veterans put in, you know, post-war and post being in for an extended period where like other kind of positions in life where you've been in an isolated role for an extended period, you know, transitioning and actually playing on a level playing field. And in many cases, you know, some of these jobs, just transferring these skills to where they're interpretable by an employer is a challenge. So these guys, a lot of these are coming out with, you know, 16 to 20 years, of 20 years plus in government, quality government work, working in the military and things of that sort. I um, mean, it's just hard to translate those skills and really adapt those skills. I mean, in many cases, once an individual transitions out of the military, I think it's hard for them to transition into a new career without going back to school and really working hard to make that transition. Do you feel like employers have some sort of implicit or explicit bias against ex-soldiers, sailors, airmen, or Marines? And if there is, if you do see that, how does that bias express itself? Well, I think there's a ton of positivity around hiring veterans, and I love to see that. And I think businesses are generally supportive of that and that there's a lot of retraining efforts as well that go into that. I think where you really see kind of the segmentation of what's provided career path-wise is really when you look at that enlisted versus officer. For that. And this is something I really noticed transitioning well. If you come out as a young officer, you know, a lot of these larger companies automatically slot you into these kind of leadership programs versus if you come out as enlisted, you're generally sent into a technical program. Right. And so as you can imagine, that progression up the company path, everything else is fundamentally different if you're stuck into that more hands-on technical role. And I think again, that's kind of one of those biases that came from, you know, World War One, World War II, Vietnam, where a lot of these folks were in that mechanical role where that was kind of the more traditional role. I think as the military has progressed really in the last, you know, 20 years, as we've seen that enlisted soldier leading more directly, those lines have really blurred, I think, a lot. And so my suggestion for these larger companies would really be, you know, open up those leaderships more broadly to where you're really looking at that resume and, and versus just kind of classifying as officer enlisted. It's really more broadly looking at that resume and that experience. So if I were to ask you now to make the non-industry specific case for hiring a job candidate with typical military experience, what are the attributes that they have that you would be stressing? Yeah, when you think about those skills that you really gain in the military, and I think this is more broadly, you know, it's really that teamwork aspect where you can both lead and follow. You do understand the importance of being a part of that team versus, and you know, in some cases, going against the grain on a team, right? I think it's super important to also bring into the adaptability aspect. Veterans are kind of conditioned to different environments, and through that means they're highly adaptable. So when you think about the value of a veteran as they, you know, really gain skills in your organization, you can also think about the diversity they'll bring when they kind of move up that ladder as well, and that. As they're gaining these skills, they're putting that unique view on all of these different issues and projects. So I think you know that adaptability as they, they really progress is, is huge as well because they can gain skills so quickly on the fly. I think you see that in many cases just because a huge amount of technologies have innovated out of the military. The reasoning for that is you're giving a scarce amount of resources. So given scarcity, you innovate. And so again, that's a unique lens that you can leverage with these veterans. What are the general challenges 
that veterans face when they're coming out and trying to reintegrate into the private sector workforce. And specific to financial services and even fintech, what are the specific challenges there? Yeah, I think translating those skills, translating those military skills, even if you were in that financial function in the military, is a challenge. Because again, I think it kind of comes back to the career services and how folks transition out. Uh, Generally, unless you're already kind of networking and connecting before you get out of the military, kind of reliant upon, you know, you don't have a necessarily a network you generated, you're reliant upon kind of that open space of career builder and things like that. And then really starting to build your network from zero. I think, I don't know if I necessarily call this a disadvantage, but one of the biggest things I noticed at my first job coming out of the military and grad school was this the sheer network size that all of my cohort had with the exception of me. Because again, my whole network was in the military guys who are still in the military. These other folks are folks who they kind of went through college with the same network graduates together and goes to all the same big firms and stuff like that. And so you look at that kind of impact as well throughout it. In the army, you were an NCO and uh, you developed all of these practical leadership skills during your time, but you lacked that college diploma that you needed even to get your foot in the door. I mean, you've touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, what was it like starting college in your mid-20s? You know, essentially being at the bottom again, but with so much life experience. You know, that had to be a big hurdle for you, and I'm guessing it's probably the same for others who are trying to do the same thing. Yeah, it was humbling. I can tell you that much. I went from kind of top of my game in my career field to really having trouble doing kind of calculus and things like that because I hadn't been exposed to it in so long. So you go from, again, you know, I've been in for six years at that point. I was really good at my job, you know, kind of that role and what you're doing to where you're really forced to learn new things. And I think, uh, again, it's, it's coming back to some of those basic core pieces of that are very challenging to wrap your head around. I mean, I finished undergraduate in three years because kind of to your point, when I got there, I was a little older, I was a little more mature. I knew the path that I wanted to be on. And so I tried to hustle through as quickly as possible. Um, but that first year, I, I remember having to really almost start from zero with the remedial skills around like math and some of the basics just to make sure I could fundamentally get through the next three years, just because I hadn't touched on it so long. I mean, at that point, I was 24 and graduated, you know, 17, 18 or whatever. It'd been almost six years since I had done like practical and classroom math. So things like that were definitely hard. You said earlier that the military is all about working in teams and about backing each other up, looking out for each other. So what is out there in the way of support for ex-military to help them position themselves better to get into traditional financial services or fintech? I think the transition into fintech and financial services generally really comes down to, I hate to say it, but definitely checking that degree box at the very least. And then also kind of networking your way into any position. I always tell vets that it doesn't matter where you start on that fintech company, or especially that fintech company if you're trying to get a fintech. Because once you get in there, you know, get that mission first attitude, work your tail off, and you'll be able to get ahead into a better role. But I think especially when you're trying to transition into that, um, if you're coming from another field or strictly, you know, coming straight from the military, don't be afraid to accept a low level role just to get a foot in the door. Because I think within financial technology, especially there's really developers and their sales folk and everyone else in between kind of has to find their value add and their fit within the company. I mean, there's obviously product operations, there's all these high value roles, but a lot of it boils down to you're going to come into one of two sides. It's going to be that developer side or it's going to be kind of that technical side. And so, you know, a basic foot in the door is, is very helpful. I think obviously when you're thinking about what skill sets are valuable in financial technology, it's everything from that, you know, general sales skill set of you can pitch an idea and clearly communicate that 
and then get through to close through to technical skills. I think, you know, looking at programming and, and languages like Python and things of that sort, you know, that was one of the first things I did was teach myself some of these more modern languages. And I think as, you know, being able to develop has certainly advanced my career and helped me a lot from that side. And that's something that you can kind of do on your own as well. Um, and so looking at those skills, you know, basic analytic skills, understanding how financial modeling works, understanding kind of the basic flow of finance are all things that will get you kind of in the door. Once you get in the door, it's about working really hard and kind of networking and, and getting into those right positions and situations where you create value for the company. When you say it like that, it you know it sounds like a pretty straightforward thing, but we both know that in, in practical terms, that is not as straightforward as it sounds. So are there support groups? Are there, I mean, do you have any sort of involvement in any sort of outside organizations that can really help position ex-military for being able to be attractive to employers in financial services or fintech? Yeah, there's some really, really good groups out there. And before I kind of get into the groups, I want to talk about some resources that are now available as well. For veterans, it's especially important to use that GI Bill because that now applies not only to college, it's also technical programs and developer schools as well, like you know those coding boot camps and things of that sort. So leveraging that first off is a fantastic resource. I think networking-wise, within your area, depending on where you're at, you know, rural or suburban or urban, is going to kind of dictate what's available kind of face-to-face, but online, there's a plethora of resources and groups within LinkedIn. Two groups that I'm particularly kind of fond of and I, I work with, uh, one is Bunker Labs. I've been a part of that for a few years. What Bunker Labs is, is a national organization that has city chapters. It's really kind of a meeting place for entrepreneurs and, and business-minded veterans. Pre-pandemic, they had monthly networking meetings where it was kind of meetups, you know, snacks, drinks, things of that sort, but ultimately really networking with other like-minded veterans. And that's really huge value add for I think you know transitioning veterans as well as you know veterans who have been out for a period of time just having that network around you where you can talk through those business challenges and what you're going through is really valuable and that second organization is called Army Smart and what Army Smart does is they help transitioning veterans by linking them up with other veterans who have already transitioned specifically to kind of get through that basic math right think your college algebra your business statistics you know that year one and two type college math classes that are really challenging for that transitioning uh, soldier, sailor, or Marine. So what they do is they really make that kind of you know networking link. And then they also give some basic foundations for uh, guidance around how that mentor-mentee relationship should go. Um, so another really valuable organization, but there's a lot out there for sure. So it's great to know that there's support available from people like you, uh, you know, folks who've been through it to help with that transition for the former service members. But how much support are these groups getting from banks and credit unions and other parts of the industry, including fintech? Or, you know, regarding that bias that we discussed earlier, how much of that bias is being overcome? I'm guessing perhaps you can't speak for nationwide trends or anything, but what are you seeing in the Atlanta area where you're based? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of, again, I'm kind of biased. So that's a tough trend for me to speak to. Talking about some of the organizations that I have seen, you know, direct support from Bunker Labs, one of the organizations that funds that is JP Morgan. Again, I think this is a two-sided equation and a lot of it is the onus is on these veteran organizations to kind of reach out. But I think how you get involved, again, there's national chapters of these organizations that are obviously looking for kind of financial support. But I think mentor mentee wise, there's Bunker Labs in almost probably 25 major cities at this point. And so looking for kind of mentees and folks like that who you think would be worthwhile to invest on a personal relationship wise is a really good angle as well. 
So given the challenges that ex-military face in getting that first break, you know, that first step up onto the ladder, what would you say to your peers and others in fintech and in financial services more broadly about how they should think about veterans as a resource? What I'm trying to get is what should they be cognizant of when hiring from the military side in order to have it be a successful hire? In order for it to be a successful hire, I think, you know, having some sort of basic structure and onboarding program is very important where uh, that individual can understand the culture of the company, the mission, the values and the vision that they're really working towards. Um, And then really that kind of that first line manager who really helps tie that role to the broader company mission is really important. I think it's also really important to look at kind of that structured training aspects coming in. I think veterans are very well adapted to understanding kind of how to quickly adapt to different situations. So things like OJT, where they can almost learn that job in real time, on-the-job training and things like that are very valuable. So I think continuing mentorship programs and things like that for veterans is huge. One of the things that was kind of game-changing for me when I was at Bloomberg at my very first position is running into another veteran. There was a small number of them at the organization. First thing he did was walk me around to every single other veteran in the organization at all the different levels. And so you immediately have a much further reach than I think you normally would. And so, you know, leveraging that network and then mentoring both up and down, is super important. Helping hands on the inside and also mentoring for those trying to get in, that shared experience can no doubt provide real benefit for veterans in finance and fintech. So Barclay Keith, CEO at Artist Technologies, thanks again for being with us on the Banking Strategies podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, Terry, for having me. few takeaways from our Veterans Day conversation with Barclay Keith from Artist Technologies. First, service members build up a number of key skills that can be deployed in financial services and in fintech. Start with the emphasis on working in groups and both being able to lead and to follow. There's also adaptability, functioning well under different conditions and changing conditions, and part of this is being able to learn on the fly. Vets come equipped with technology skills as the modern military is a high-tech operation. Making the transition, however, can be a sizable challenge. Some of those separating from the military need to build up or at least knock the rust off their math skills in order to be viable job candidates. Tapping into a financial network also presents a hurdle for many. There are a number of groups out there that help veterans skill up and plug in, and some of these groups have connections to the financial services industry. And finally, financial organizations and fintechs can take steps to position their veteran hires for success. Soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines are mission-focused So it's important to make clear the company's vision and values, and with that, where this new hire fits in. Structured training and room to learn by doing can also help, as can mentoring to build up networks. If you have other vets in your organization, they can help serve as a bridge. Thanks for being with us for the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. And if you like what you heard, feel free to share it with your workmates and friends. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us again next week when we'll discuss another issue that's important for the financial services industry.